The LA Clippers have many decisions to make this offseason, and the future of Paul George is one of them. And with talk and chatter growing louder around the league, how likely is it that Paul George is actually going to be traded? And with the New York Knicks seeming to try to make a move for him, what do we think of their packages? Going to be joined by Gavin from the Locked On Knicks podcast to talk about all things Paul George on today's Locked On Clippers. You are Locked On Clippers, your daily Los Angeles Clippers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by Darian Vaziri. He is the host of the Locked on Clippers podcast, and you could check out his work on the – sorry, it was Dime Dropper. Okay, I'll bring this back in. Three, two, one. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined by the fantastic host of the Locked on Clippers podcast and the Dime Dropper YouTube channel. It is Darian Vaziri. Uh, you can check out the Dime Dropper YouTube channel for NBA history content, including – Plenty of stuff on the New York Knicks, but darn, we are right smack dab in the middle of the present because Paul George is potentially on the block. There was a report uh, first from Locked On Zone, Howard Beck on this podcast and a couple others that Paul George might be available um, and that certain teams might be discussing potential deals with the Clippers and the Clippers are putting that out there. Mark Stein reiterated that saying that the Clippers gave rival teams the impression that they were gauging George's value prior to the NBA draft. And then we had SNY's Ian Begley saying the Knicks and Clippers have had contact about a potential Paul George trade. Some other reporters, including Andrew Grief of the LA Times, threw a little bit of cold water on that. But Darren, I say all that to say welcome, and I hope our two teams can make a great deal for Paul George because I love the guy. Uh, but first of all, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's honestly a pleasure. Locked on Knicks. I always say the Knicks have the best fans in basketball, but I wow. can't say that too loud. My Clipper fans are going to get mad at me, but I, I've been to a Knicks game and it was pretty unforgettable during the 2013 uh, Knicks tape Knicks with Melo in his prime. Whoa. It was a fun time. I, I'm jealous. I did not get to go to a game that year. I was, I was in high school, but I was, I was enjoying everything. Oh, cool. All right. Well, we got, yeah. we got to talk more about that after. All right. I was enjoying every single moment of it, but um, I guess I guess where um, I want to start off, I guess it, it, I know it would be weird to trade the guy that Brandon Miller called the GOAT, but let's just say one to 10 scale. How likely do you think it is that Paul George gets traded anywhere this summer? Two. Um, I think that it's, it's very unlikely to be honest. Um, Howard Beck actually said the same thing on my show when he came on and he said the first time he came on, he said that it, they're going to run it back. And after the game five against the Suns, we got eliminated. Lawrence Frank straight up said, our plan is to continue with Kawhi and Paul George. Now, if they were to rebuild or retool, I don't think he'd say it at, right after this playoffs ends. I think that's his job to keep the two stars that he's paying so much money or that we're paying so much money, you know, invested and feel like they're part of the plans going forward, even if they're not. But they're obviously going to take some time to think about it. And the second time Howard Beck came on our show, he said that it's not out of the realm of possibility that Paul George could be traded if the right offer is there for the Clippers, which honestly I was happy to hear just because I wanted to see that the Clippers weren't just staying stagnant and actually hearing teams out. But in my opinion, the likelihood of the Clippers trading Paul George is not very high. 
because I don't think they're going to get a return that they like. And from everything I've heard, people are only talking about Paul George, not Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. So if you want to keep Kawhi Leonard on the team and still be a win now team, why would you trade away Paul George? Who are you getting that's going to be even close to his value? I understand if you want to get, you know, a bunch of picks and smaller young players, smaller pieces that are young players or whatnot, like Obi Toppin or like RJ Barrett that aren't stars right now. But those guys with Kawhi Leonard, does that make us closer to a championship team? I personally don't think so. I don't think a player like RJ Barrett or Anthony Simons or even the third pick in the draft, who, by the way, I would take Scoot Henderson, but I don't think they would be good enough right away to be the second best player on a championship team. Paul George, granted, I mean, I don't want to take, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but he's closer than the guys we'd be getting. So I don't think that they would do it uh, if I had to put my money on it. And especially the fact that we tried to trade for Malcolm Brogdon. Does Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon seems like someone you bring in to help Kawhi Leonard and Paul George not to go a different direction. So I would give it a two. Very unlikely, in my opinion. So I I tend to agree with you, right? Because I think we we all do these podcasts and we we like to talk about all right, which stars are team going to trade for, which stars are going to team going to trade for. The teams that have them want those guys. Everybody wants those guys. The whole world wants Paul George. But if we can play devil's advocate for just a second. The road the Clippers walk down when they say, hey, we worked so hard for this. We traded away Shea Gilgis-Alexander. We traded away all these picks. This was the biggest win, I, I think you, you you would agree with this, in, in the history of the entire franchise, that these two guys decided to come here where they were born, geography be damned. They made the decision to say, hey, we're not going to be Lakers. We're both going to be Clippers, and we're going to bring glory. And I would argue, maybe you would argue too, that was better injury luck that might have already happened for the Clippers. Heck, I think if Kawhi, I, I, I say this as someone who roots for the Suns, if Kawhi Leonard had stayed healthy, I think they would have beaten the Suns this year. Maybe they would have given the Nuggets a better series than anyone else if Paul George had come back. And that's a great reason to say, even for one more year, let's run it back. But I got to ask you, how much of an appetite do the Clippers have when Paul George's agent and Kawhi Leonard's agent walk into Lawrence Frank's office and say, hey, we want max extensions for our guys four years, 220 million. I, I know they haven't played a whole lot the last few years, but they're really good. And we'd like all that money, please. Like is Lawrence Frank thinking about that scenario? Would he push back on that scenario? And could a breakdown there lead to that too, becoming more like a, I don't know, five or six. I think that is the one avenue where it could be elevated to a five or a six because from everything I've heard, the Clippers are extremely hesitant to give those guys extensions and for good reason. I'm not going to lie. I would not want them to get extensions personally as a fan, and I also wouldn't give it to them. But my question is, are they still like down to leave? You know, I, I understand playing hardball, but still down to leave where they chose to go, their home, as you said. That's the thing. But absolutely, if they don't, if Paul George or Kawhi don't get the extensions, that could make talks a little bit louder. I would say yes. I think I tend to agree with you. And I guess the the follow-up question there is if, if there's a world where they say, all right, then trade us somewhere else, who is willing to give them that type of money? And that was part of the hesitancy, according to Andrew Grief on the Knicks part, he said, after some internal discussions, the Knicks have become hesitant about acquiring George. The Knicks also think George's representatives will ask for a contract extension. Of course they will. And if you're the Knicks, you have to say, all right, how comfortable are we paying this guy? 
through his age 37 season, where now over the last four years, he hasn't topped 56 games once, and he's averaged 47 games a year as a Clipper. I think there are still good arguments for why the Knicks would want to go all in on him, and we will talk about that in just a sec. Um, But before we do that, I want to quickly mention our friends over at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know how the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game. When you shop on eBay Motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers, eligible items only, and exclusions do apply. All right, I want to talk a little bit about what Paul George's future is like, because whether whether it's Clippers paying him, it's the Knicks paying him, someone else paying him. I I think the number one thing you look at is the injuries. I just, uh, before the break, we outlined how many games he's played recently. I guess, I guess the main thing I want to know, do you think this is a case of his body breaking down or is it four years of bad luck for Paul George? A little bit of both. I think there has been bad luck, like the Lou Dort injury this season. Just bad luck, but also like there was there was a a, lady, a listener that was you know a bio uh, mechanist and stuff and was you know talking to me about something she noticed about his body when she went to a game and sat up close and said that his foundation is not very strong like for an NBA player and so that he is you know his likelihood of injury is is fairly high. Um, with his knees and stuff like that, with awkward landings. So, and I mean, remember when he broke his leg? Like, this it's not like this guy has no history, came to the Clippers with no history of injury. If you look at the games played, yes, he was a lot healthier before he was a Clipper, but that also has to do with we didn't do load management like that league-wide um, before like 2019 or something. So a lot of things go into it, but um I wouldn't even say his body's necessarily breaking down. I just think he's older and he's more prone to injury naturally. And yeah, you know, you don't get healthier as you age. I don't think, I mean, Chris Paul kind of did with that vegan diet or whatever, but yeah, Paul George is going to be a, a, in my opinion, he's kind of an injury waiting to happen personally, but Hey, he's still a great player. And the one thing I'll give him when he comes back from injury, it doesn't take him that long to get back to being Paul George. Sometimes he comes back and like the first game he's back, it's like, oh, didn't even as if he hadn't even been out. So that's one thing that's really good about him. So so this is where I push back because on some not 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 on you, but on people in our comment section, when we talk about Paul George, people are like, he's old, he's 33. Why are we giving up stuff for him? This is ridiculous. And I'll kind of reiterate what I'll always reiterate, which is it's hard to get the perfect star because those guys generally aren't available. Those guys are generally pretty happy in those situations and teams don't really give them up unless you're going all in like a Kevin Durant scenario. And we saw even with that, there were some age related concerns. There were some slight slippage concerns. Like you, you trade for the one that you can get. And also the fact that Paul George on the Clippers, like this is arguably obviously the one Oklahoma, the final Oklahoma city year, right? Probably the best individual season of his career, but you can argue these last four years, five years, if you want to include that, are better than he's ever been. You would think, right, it was when his, in his mid-20s to late-20s. That is generally when guys peak. But he's had three of the four best effective field goal percentages of his career. 
He had previously, before his last three years in the Clippers, he'd never averaged more than 4.1 assists per game. The last three years, he's averaged 5.2, 5.7, 5.1. Great rebounding numbers. Better three-point shooting than he's had for a good chunk of his career. Not the last two years, but the two years before that. He was shooting the lights out. It feels like in certain ways he's peaking as a player. How have you seen him evolve over his four years on the Clippers? That's a good question. The first season, he was out a lot. He never really gained his footing. And I thought that he, at times in the playoffs, still dribbled a little too much, um, in, like he did in the playoffs against Portland. And then it was kind of interesting. Going into the next season, when we got Ty Lue, he went on all the smoke, and he was saying that Glenn Rivers used him as a coming-off-pin-downs guy or just like kind of used him as like a Ray Allen or a, he even said like a J.J. Redick type. But somebody used showed some of the numbers, and apparently he wasn't that much more off-ball than he was in that 2019 season that you referenced earlier, which was his best regular season of his career. So I thought he was just full of it, Paul George. just coming after the bubble. Everybody was grilling him for making a lot of excuses and all that. But Ty Lue, in that season, you know, we had Patrick Beverly as our point guard and then Reggie Jackson as our point guard. So no one that's a true playmaker out of those two. So what we did was we put the ball in Kawhi Leonard and Paul George's, hand, Paul George's hands more. And I was like, he dribbles too much. He makes – I don't really trust him. Putting the ball in his hands more, but you know what? It really worked because – more than anything, it gave him that confidence back. And after the bubble, his confidence was really low. He had just been uh, knocked out in three disappointing fashions in a row with the two years in OKC. And then the bubble, which was the all-time low for him. And the next year, I thought he grew as a playmaker. And I thought he, did, he didn't over-dribble as much at all. And then in the playoffs, he seemed like he overcame a lot of demons and had a fantastic playoff run. I don't. I think... That might have been the best playoff run of his entire career, even greater than the 2014 uh, Eastern Conference Finals run as the number one seed with Indiana. I mean, he made history for us. Like, nobody had made it past the second round in 50 years. I had to hear that my whole life growing up. And Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, game five in one of the toughest places to play in the NBA, Utah, 38 points, I believe it was. Big shot after big shot. I mean, it was incredible. And then... 2022, I'd say you got the same guy there with, with that confidence that he left off in the 2021 playoffs. And his defense was actually even a little bit sharper mm -hmm. uh, off the ball. That, I don't think that's something he got better at. I think that was just the way he was playing that season. You know, he's always a pretty solid in the passing lanes kind of player. But 2022, he really was active with his hands. And then this season, about the same. I'd say Paul George has gotten to his peak. You know, I think 2021 he peaked and now he's kind of on the decline a little bit. But that's normal. He's still a star player and will be a star player. I said, I think for at least this season and the season after, he will still be a guy that can drop 24 points in his sleep. Like, it's funny. He averaged 23 points and it feels like he can do so much more. That's how easy it is for him to score that much. Yeah, I will. I will quote the great Zach Lowe, who's fond of saying Paul George is a boss. I've I've always kind of been in the same opinion. I think. I think his reputation's gotten muddled at points because like early in his career, like it was LeBron in the heat getting the better of him. Then he was on the wrong end of that very famous Damian Lillard shot. And then you had the Nuggets series in the bubble where I think both him and Kawhi both took a bad rep. Um, but the guy, like, I think there's a reason why people were, I mean, in Clipperland so excited when those two paired up. And in other parts of the NBA, like a little bit fearful when you're like, wow, you have two of the, I, I don't know. I always find it weird when people say two-way players because it's like if someone's way better on offense, like is, are they a better two-way player, quote-unquote? 
Um, doesn't just matter who the better player is, but talking about quote unquote two way guys, like two of the three, four, five best in the NBA. Both those guys are monsters. And if you're LA, that's why you want to keep him. If you're New York, that's why you want to go get him. And I've kind of referenced him on our podcast for maybe five years running now as sort of the archetype of star that the Knicks need. And now that they're seemingly on the precipice of real contention, that feels even more urgent. And I, I don't know. Let me, I, I don't know how much Knicks you got to watch this year, but let me know if you agree with it. I think, again, if that deal centered around RJ Barrett, even if it's centered around Julius Randle for whatever reason, if the Clippers are like, let's retool over someone who at least plays a little bit more than Paul George, even if it lowers our ceiling, right? Hypothetically, like he just slots in so well compared to either of those guys as someone who is a more proactive passer and just a far better shooter. And, and to me, that is everything. Because we saw Jalen Brunson on one foot scoring 41 points, somehow jitterbugging his way through three, four defenders at a time. I, I think with Paul George, and I, I'm curious the effect you feel like he's had on Kawhi when both those guys are on the floor, Jalen Brunson wouldn't have to do that. Oh, I mean, if, if I'm looking at it from a Knicks perspective, that's amazing. I mean, I'm not saying it makes you a championship team, but hmm. oh my God, it makes you like, I think you could reach the conference finals. Like, Jalen, it's as you said, it's the perfect player for the Knicks. I mean, the thing is, some of my people on like one of the people on my team from my own channel and um, people that I've come into contact with, straight up New Yorkers, like Knicks fans in New York right now making their own content. So I'm not saying I watched a ton of the Knicks, but I'm pretty tapped in. Mm-hmm. And like, I mean, Jalen Brunson was unbelievable this season. Paul George would be exactly what the Knicks need. I think if you put Kawhi on the Knicks, you guys are a championship contender, like right away, straight up. I'll I'll take him if you guys are throwing him out. (laughs) I don't don't think we are, but Paul George, I mean, absolutely would be amazing. I think he'd be a perfect player for the Knicks. Like that's a team that he could go to. Um, I think he'd be the best scorer on the team. I I think based on the availability of Brunson and the way he played and the fact that he's probably only going to get better. I honestly think as crazy. I can't believe I'm saying that Brunson could be better than Paul George, but I don't know going forward with health included. We'll see. When healthy, probably not. But Paul George, the thing about P is he's for a star, he's so inconsistent. He's so inconsistent, like especially with his offense and his defense. It's always decent at the worst, but it's not always good or great like you'd expect. Hmm. When he's missing shots, he's just normal. He's just a guy that's in his own head a lot for a star. Like he off, like I'll give you an example. We get on this a lot here. Sure. Kawhi, when he doesn't play, Kawhi Leonard. Paul George needs to be taking 20 shots per game, minimum. Sometimes he'll like go out there and shoot 13 shots and shoot seven for 13. And we're like, dude, like, what are you doing? Like, you are Paul George. They cannot guard you. And it's sometimes like he has to be told he's that guy. And if you listen to his own podcast, Podcast P, he went out there and straight up admitted, or I think, I think it was Reddick's podcast, but he reiterates it. Yeah. I'm not a number one on a championship team. He said it straight up. So that's not necessarily a guy that seems like he's exuding a ton of confidence, but he uh, would absolutely help the Knicks and he still has a ton of redeeming qualities and he, he definitely cares. You know, he wants to win a ring. Sometimes he doesn't always show it without like locked in he is, but he really does care. Yeah. I think, I think I've, it, it's this weird duality with him, right? Because you just pointed out the game that he had against the jazz. And in my mind, I think of him as a killer but it hasn't been there every playoffs, every game. But that's like when I'm when I'm thinking about this trade from a Knicks perspective, I, I'm just thinking about ceiling, right? Like I, I, what is the best case scenario with those two guys? And the thing with Brunson is like he 
who knows, maybe maybe he flops next postseason and we're, we have a new discussion. But you look at what he did against the Jazz as the number one guy in the Mavs uh, two years ago. Look at what he was doing against the Heat, like a team that ultimately proved to be probably the best defense in the NBA when it was all said and done without a lot of help. And he was ripping them to shreds. And then you have guys like I may, maybe some of would be in this trade, but like Grimes, Quickly and Barrett that are improving. You have a real defensive infrastructure if you add Paul George to Mitchell Robinson and Quinn Grimes. Those are three guys that on the right night in, in, in the right setting could qualify as all NBA type of defenders. I'm not saying the Knicks would be the favorite to win a championship. But shouldn't what Miami did this year give you some hope as a Knicks fan that that's a possibility, that that's on the table, and you're making that kind of trade for a chance, even if even if it's a small one? And maybe on the flip side, the Clippers would would have the same argument towards keeping him. Um, we can get into that in just a sec. Um, we are going to step aside one final time. But when we return, uh, we'll talk about um, the Clippers' perspective on this a little bit and um, what the trade would look like with the New York Knicks if it would indeed happen. All right, we are back on Locked on Knicks talking. Paul George, what do you think, What what is the best case scenario here for the Los Angeles Clippers? Because you, you were kind of referencing it earlier, like that it's, I, let me know if this was the wrong takeaway, but almost as if it's not the end of the world if they don't get a contract extension done before the season. And if this is just the one more year of them going all in, is there an appetite for that in Clipperland with what I assume is just so much frustration at the inability to have Paul and Kawhi healthy at the same time. You're asking about the fans? I'm just like, what? what's your perspective? What do you think the front office's perspective is on it? I think the front office's perspective is to give them another chance, hmm. just, to, just to cross their fingers and get it right. Yeah. And I think that it would have to be a really strong deal with either a ton of first-round picks or a player that they believe is either on the trajectory of being a star or is a star right now. Uh, so that that would be my answer to that. Mm. And I guess from a Knicks perspective, what do you think that deal would potentially look like? Because I, I think the Knicks would be coming at it at a very similar angle as the Clippers, where, I mean, I, I think we could, we could almost just go off that Andrew Grief report. They wouldn't be totally inclined to just say, oh, here, we're going to throw you the four years, $220 million. They might get a little bit into the season, see how things look. Um, but they would have to strike that balance, right, of giving the Clippers – to your point with Kawhi, a deal where they could say, all right, we, we could be better for this, or at the very least, we think we're going to be healthy come playoff time with this, and we could theoretically beat the Nuggets, but at the same time, not giving up too much that the Knicks lose that championship contention. It's a tricky balance. Yeah, it definitely is. I, I just think, so you're asking me, like, what would be the, the trade that I would listen to with New yeah. York? I mean, see, I'm not going to lie, Gavin. I, I just don't know if there's anything that the Knicks have that, interest me that much except for and you're not going to give us Brunson I mean I would absolutely love Brunson no so that's I, not gonna I, happen. I, yeah it's not gonna happen yeah trading Paul George for a package surround uh, centered around Randall like that just doesn't interest me much I think Randall's hit his ceiling yeah um and I don't think that he's going to get much better I think I don't think he'll ever have a season better than 2021 but he was really solid this year I still think the Knicks are better when he when he plays but I don't think Randall as as most Knicks fans I think would tend to agree is not the second best player or first best player on a championship team. I think maybe he could be third, but he has, he, I don't know. He has his moments, Julius right now. I'm just leave it at that. Yeah. I do like some of your other young complimentary pieces like Quinton Grimes, Deuce McBride quickly, like these guys that defend and, you know, are athletic guards. But for someone like Paul George, I just don't know. And then there's obvious center, a package centered around Barrett and Obi Toppin. And I, I, you know what? 
if you would ask me a year ago, I'd say I would listen to that because of, well, I wasn't as willing to move Paul George last year, but I was higher on RJ Barrett last year because mm. he had a couple of games against LA teams where he went off and you could see that he had a, added like this bully ball aspect to his game against smaller guards. And he had a nice little floater and was really good. Obviously when he gets to a strong left hand finishing around the basket, but his jumper hasn't really made big time strides to me. And he doesn't look like a player that I don't know if he'll ever be able to consistently create his own shot off the dribble. And that's where I now have hesitation saying that RJ is going to be a future star. And defensively, I think he's solid, but you can probably tell me that more. It's not anything great that I've noticed. I remember he guarded Kawhi Leonard really well one game that you guys beat. I remember that game. It was his second year. Yeah. But I think I got too high on him as a defender because of that game. Hmm. Like my, some of my Knicks fans friends will say he's terrible. Some will say that he's okay at defense. I mean, let me ask you what's your perspective on that. Yeah. I think it's interesting, right? Because I have, and he, he is a weird tendency to get off to inexplicably just horrific starts to seasons, right? It's been, it's been every year of his career. I I thought his third season was the nadir of that. This year at points was somehow even worse, where it just looked like he like someone had monstered him and he completely forgot how to play basketball. And, and then he improved and then he had down stretches again. And you were just looking at a guy and you were kind of saying, all right, at the end of the day, this is who he is. He's super inconsistent. He sometimes makes really bad decisions on both ends of the floor. Defensively, I thought that maybe was somehow the biggest disappointment this year, which is crazy because there was a point where he was shooting like 16% from three over the first 30 games of the year. But the defense was just so bad. It was lazy. He was getting back cut. It looked like he had cinder blocks on his feet. And then inexplicably towards the end of the year, started getting better and better and better and better. And even some nights when the shooting wasn't there, you started noticing that he was driving to pass, which was this big mind-blowing revelation with RJ because that's what you were dying to see out of him but you just would never quite get there. And then all of a sudden he started doing it. And in the fire of the playoffs, I was like, I, I had a bold prediction after the all-star break. I thought he would be moved to the bench in the playoffs because he was just a liability. And then he played the best basketball of his life this postseason. He was shooting it better. He was defending fantastically with great effort, forcing live ball turnovers, dominant in transition, bullying mismatches in the half court. And you look at the numbers at the end of the day and the efficiency still wasn't incredible, but the process was so good and it would give you hope. And I'm not going to argue that he should be the centerpiece of a Paul George trade if the Clippers goal is to win now, but in a world where the Clippers decide maybe not this off season, but 20 games into a year, if there's like, and I'm not obviously not rooting for this, but there's another injury to Kawhi Leonard. If there's an injury where Paul's missing 20 games and Steve Ballmer just comes down and he says, all right, screw this. Like I'm done. This is too much. Do you think there's a world where that happens? Because ultimately, I'm I'm on the same page as you. I just don't think the Clippers have an incentive to get this done when they could still argue, hey, like we're just waiting for the stars to align. Like we can win a title. And and like let's go back. Like you referenced that Paul George against the Jazz series. I think the Clippers win the championship that year if Kawhi Leonard's healthy. Like I've almost never seen someone play better basketball than he did against the Mavs that season. And then he gets hurt and, and then it all goes up in smoke. But they might have won that year. I think they were better than Phoenix. They probably were a little bit more battle-tested than Milwaukee. I say that to say there is a fantastic argument for the Clippers just running it back, but are they one injury away from that no longer being the case, or do you think this is a discussion that fully gets pushed to next offseason? So I think the likelihood of Paul George getting traded in the middle of the season 
mm. is only if they're blowing it up because of an injury. So then both are traded. I do That's not a- think they would never they would never just trade one of them mm-hmm. and put the other one on an island for the rest of the season with no training camp with this new, you know, these new players coming in. They would not do that. So they would have to decide to blow it up in the middle of the season. And I think the only possibility of that is if both get injured at the same time again, kind of like we had in these playoffs this year. So that's my only possibility of that. I mean, as far as the, the Knicks package, yeah, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I would, in a, in a scenario that you guys had something that I was really, that I really wanted, I'd be down to see the Knicks get better. And Paul George go to a home like that, where he'd instantly be contending, but there's just nothing to me that, that interests me from your side. No offense, but um you know, that's how I feel about making doing business with the Knicks. Unless, I mean, what's your pick situation? If you throw a bunch of first rounders at us, yeah. and I think and get some of those back to be traded to Oklahoma City, I'd be more willing to listen. Yeah. So I, I think that that would be a big part of it. And the question would be how many of those picks? Because the Knicks have a surplus of four picks. The value of those picks is questionable, right? Because they are all Milwaukee's top five protected. Uh, the Wizards one might now never convey as a first if they want to really suck the next three seasons. Um, the Pistons one is protected pretty decently the next two years. And then the Mavs one should convey next year, but who knows with how that team is run. And then the Knicks have their own picks to trade. So I, I think in a world where the Clippers did decide to trade both of them, one, maybe the Knicks are going all in on Kawhi Leonard and not Paul George. Um, and two, I think they would be one of the favorites to go get Paul, but I I guess I got to finish on this. Like after this whole conversation, I'm like, I'm a little mystified, why do you think Paul George's name has been coming up? Like, like, do you think there just wasn't that much credibility to those reports? Do you think it was the Clippers trying to angle for Scoot specifically from Portland? Because it seems like at the very least, some members of the Clippers front office are really considering this. No, it's funny. I actually did an episode on this exact topic uh, a couple days ago. And I think one of them is the new CBA. I think they realize how capped they are that two guys, one of which is – and. You know, Kawhi Leonard is the best player on this team. Like, yeah, make no mistake. Everyone knows that. But Paul George gets paid the same amount as him. And the fact I think they, they realize, like, should we really put all our faith in this guy that, you know, he has an injury history. But even when he's healthy, sometimes he doesn't give you everything that you want. And that's something that I think they are considering as well, because if they we have the new stadium opening up, not this upcoming season, but next season. And I think they're thinking if we want to go a different route, maybe start showing the fans that that can look positive before you open up a new stadium. Cause if you want to open up a new stadium and let's say they're like totally rebuilding next year, I mean, trying to draw, I, I think Clipper fans will still show up to their new arena, obviously no matter who's playing, but for all the casual fans in LA to check out the new stadium, it's not going to be as big of a draw. If like bones Highland, Terrence Mann, and Brandon Boston are, are headlining your, your te- your new stadium on opening night close to your star. So I think they're starting to think, we're going to make a move. Maybe we make it now, especially with the new CBA, um, which is, I think, the main reason why they're starting to consider other options. Wow. Jason Preston slander not getting thrown in there. As Jason well. Preston. One Jason, of the headliners. Jason, I'm down for Jason Preston. Our, our well. fellow journalist, man. We got to we gotta honor him a little bit. I like bit. Jason Preston. Yeah, he's cool. I, I liked him in college. All right. Anyways, that's it, man. Thank you so much for doing this. And before I let you go, can you just tell everyone one final time where they can find all your great work? Yes, thank you so much. Love it. Always love talking to Knicks fans, some of those passionate fans in the game. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Dime Dropper Pod. I talk about all sorts of NBA, NBA history, nut, 
huge fan of the 70s Knicks. I make content on them uh, on my channel. I made a video on the Willis Reed game. By the way, shout out to Willis Reed. It was his birthday mm-hmm. on Sunday. 80 Would have been 81 years old. Um, so made a lot of content on those guys. Clyde Frazier, who I absolutely adore. Um, and yeah, so if you want to check that stuff out, like I make some film breakdowns of the past and obviously during the playoffs, I went live every single night of the playoffs, talk about the games. And I often go live with Knicks fans all the time. So check me out on there. And yeah, Gavin, thanks so much for having me. This was awesome. Yeah. Thanks for doing it. Um, yeah. Hope, ho- hopefully can, can be one of those Knicks fans one day because you, you do great work. And, uh, even, even if you bum me out a little bit with, with your Paul George to the Knicks pessimism, I will, oh. I will keep talking about it because I, I love the guy. And I want him to be on the Knicks one day. But until then, um, we will talk to you soon on Locked on Knicks with plenty more trade episodes. And Locked on Clippers, don't forget. Locked on Clippers, yeah. Yeah. And and, and for Knicks fans, if you want to get the latest on Paul George and where he might end up, subscribe to Locked on Clippers wherever you get podcasts, whether that be on YouTube or on the audio side, because uh, you'll, you'll get the best information, the latest information, five days a week. But until then, we'll talk to you soon. Sweet. Thanks so much, man.